All right, we're going to get started tonight, and uh, we're auditioning a new piano player and song leader tonight, <laughs> and uh, if they do good, we may replace others. Uh, yeah, hey, you can sing. All right, good to see you out tonight, and i got a lot of people out sick. Uh, I know it's hard for y'all to believe, but we have. And uh, they just uh, keep keep calling in, and uh, some we we prayed for all of them back there, and I pray they get better and you stay well. Uh, all right, good to see you. Keith and Marla here tonight. Good to have Brother Bobby uh, with us tonight. Uh, good to have him, and uh, and uh, Justin, is that right? All right, good to have you tonight, buddy. All right, we're gonna ask Brother David Jolly if he would lead us in prayer. All right, if y'all would just stand and help us sing, we're going to do one thirty. Scraping the bottom of the barrel tonight for song leaders. <laughs> Long years ago, when out in sin, I had no hope. No peace within, down on my knees in agony. I prayed to Jesus and He gladly set me free. I'd never shall forget the day when all the burdens from my soul were rolled away. It made me happy, glad and free. I'll sing and shout it for He's everything to me. Now I can feel Him by my side. My feeble steps, He comes to guide. When trials come, He comforts me. Through Him or sin, I have the victory. I never shall forget the day When all the burdens from my soul were rolled away It made me happy, glad, and free I'll sing it, shout it, for He's everything to me Oh sinner, come to Jesus now And at His feet just humbly bow, confess to Him your every sin. He'll save and cleanse you, give you peace and joy within. I never shall forget the day when all the burdens from my soul were rolled away. It made me happy, glad, and free. I'll sing it, shout it, for He's everything to me. Y'all make your mind up or do you need to do another one? All right, you can be seated. We don't have anybody tonight to get us online. And... Uh, if we're not online, I get about 20 calls. If we are online, I don't hear nothing. So that's, 
is the way it goes. So, uh, amen. All right. We, like I said, we do have a lot of folks sick, but the main one is uh, Brother David, and uh, his uh, his vent uh, accidentally came out today, and uh, so they just left him off of it, and they've got him on a BiPAP, and uh, they said the uh, next 24 hours would be crucial uh, as to uh, uh, because they can't do nothing else after that. Uh, but uh, he was doing good when it come out and uh, still doing good and alert and everything. Uh, so uh, just be very much in prayer for them. And we got a lot of folks that uh, just coughing and all that stuff. Got a few folks got COVID. None of them's here tonight. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. And even if they was here, I don't think you'd be in any danger tonight. Uh, uh, but uh, anyways, uh, the devil has, well, it ain't just us. It's everywhere I, every church I talk to is going through the same thing and uh, schools and everywhere else. Uh, so it's just something we're having to go through right now. And uh, hopefully uh, it won't last uh, always. Uh, hopefully things will get better here before uh, too long, but uh, we are glad you're uh, here tonight. hope you've had a good day in the Lord, and uh, my wife, is she's uh, not sick really, but she's got to cough, all that coughing and everything tonight, and uh, so you pray for her. I had it about two weeks, and I guess I give it to her, uh, probably, uh, but anyways, uh, she's not running any fever or anything, just, just a lot of coughing. Uh, so you pray for her as well as all the others that are sick uh, tonight. We got a missionary letter today from Brother Ted Mullins, a uh, veteran missionary for 28 and a half years in Papua New Guinea. And uh, he says, uh, uh, Matthew 14, verse 22 and 27, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Dear friends, <clears throat> recent years have, in, have indeed been contrary. However, as we, uh, as we see in verse 27, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. At times we feel overwhelmed by the situation in life. Jesus is still the answer. And uh, Brother Caleb uh, uh, I think his first message he preached this year, he preached on being overwhelmed. And I said, I wish you'd never preached that because it's been overwhelming ever since. Uh, but I see that word keeps popping up. Uh, he said, Lynn and I celebrated our 54th uh, wedding anniversary, uh, September 22nd. And in January, I'll be 74. Uh, where have the years gone? Uh, well, 30 of them in Papua New Guinea. Uh, we are saddened by the death of missionary Terry uh, Thurron. Recently, he was a good man, a former missionary in Papua New Guinea, uh, American uh, Salma and MS. Uh, please pray for his family. Also, one of my first Papua New Guinea Bible School graduates from the late 1980s, Steve Wapa, passed away. He, too, was a good and faithful man. I'm starting this year with back pain and physical therapy. I would appreciate your prayers for my health, and uh, you may pre-order our third book, uh, The uh, Baru Years, 
uh, it, it's information's on here if you want it. Some of you have got the first two. How to pray for missionaries. There are several stages in a missionary's ministry. That's pretty good here. We need to pray specifically for them, and I trust this will help you pray. The new deputation missionaries, those uh, trying to raise support, his needs are assurance of his calling, the blessing of his local church, faith to step out and quit his job when the time comes, meetings to present his ministry, 100% of support needed, which is not his salary, but funds to run a ministry, reliable transportation, money for setting up the household on his field of service, vehicle fund, and 100% agreement of his wife and children for the move. A missionary has no guaranteed income. What churches send is what he gets. This can be a very unsettling time for missionaries as he has pressure to look after his family and pressures to raise his support and to get to the field. He desperately needs your prayers. We thank all of you for designated Christmas gifts and cards, and we thank you from our hearts for your faithful support of this ministry. And our Brother Ted was uh, the first missionary we ever supported uh, monetarily. We did support another missionary at one time back when the church first started, but we didn't have much money, and uh, we uh, we supported him with postage stamps. He was in uh, Japan, and one of his prayer letters one time said he used those postage stamps, and he'd go out and he'd promise, uh, mainly children, he'd promise them five postage stamps from the United States if they'd come to the service that night, and they loved it because used to the you know the pictures were. Uh, things here in the United States, not that way no more. Uh, but uh, so uh, we supported them before we had much money. We supported them. People would save their used stamps and bring them in. We'd send them to him. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go uh, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tonight. And we'll just start in verse 1. I know we already covered that, but we'll just start there anyway for a good starting place. The word Ecclesiastes, does anybody remember what it means? Uh, no, the word Ecclesiastes. Uh, yeah, it means the preacher, or actually a, a called out assembly, as it says in verse 12. Uh, the, the word for church is ecclesia, uh, is the word for church, and that means a called out assembly. Uh, so even Noah uh, was to be considered a church because they were called out. His family was called out uh, together in the ark. Uh, now the writer of Ecclesiastes was who? All right, Solomon, and he was, uh, according to what it says, he was a preacher. Uh, it said the words of the preacher. And, uh, and yes, the key phrase, as a couple of you said there in the book, is under the sun. Uh, because all, uh, you'll find that phrase all through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a good book for Americans because it's a book that uh, has a lot to do about materialism. And uh, there's no more materialistic country in the world than America. And, uh, and Solomon tells you that uh, all of that is uh, vanity and vexation of spirit. 
uh, he says. So in the third chapter, we enter into uh, almost a poetic type thing that runs for about eight verses there. And, uh, and you'll notice that each one, there is a positive set against the negative. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a time to be born, positive, but a time to die, negative. And so all down through there, you've got, uh, you've got a positive set against the negative. And uh, the reason it's that way is because life is that way. And uh, especially as you look at it under the sun. And uh, so Solomon's looking at it that way. And then God, uh, He has set up uh, life itself. Uh, and this is God's timing that He's talking about down through here. And God set up life itself so that we might uh, have a certain degree of balance uh, in our life. We couldn't have all, uh, all births. Uh, we mean, no place to put everybody. Uh, so we have to have some deaths. And some baby's born. Uh, somebody comes into the world. Somebody goes out. And uh, God has set this thing up to where it kind of balances itself out. And uh, it's kind of like the... Uh, you know, the uh, wildlife, you got these uh, park rangers and people, and they try to balance out, uh, which it may need it now, but it, uh, because of uh, killing them and different things. But I know, I know it's been several years ago I was watching. We used to go down to Standing Stone Park. We'd take the boys down there when they were young, some of their friends, and uh, we like to go down there and stay a whole week in the cabins and fish and this, that, and the other. And uh, we just got back from there one year, and uh, they had on 13 news that they had released. I forgot how many uh, rattlesnakes and copperheads uh, in Standing Stone Park uh, to balance out what they call that the uh, e yeah uh, to balance that out. And uh, so uh, I haven't been back since. <clears throat> I think you ought to just leave it alone. Amen. But uh, we got here uh, uh, talking about time, and he said to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under, under the sun. And so God's got a timetable. And uh, people say God's not interested in time. Oh, God's very interested in time. But He's interested in His time. Uh, not our time, but in God's time. The Bible said the times of the seasons are in the Father's hands. It's not for us to know. Uh, uh, speaking about the events and things in our life, uh, we don't know about all of it. Uh, verse 2, uh, he said, uh, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. And uh, so uh, I probably said this last week. I've heard it said many a time. When somebody passes away, they say, well, it must have been his or her time to die. Uh, especially if it's an unexpected tragedy or something like that. You can't explain it. And they say, well, it must have been their time to die. But I can't recall ever hearing anybody say it was their time to be born. Uh, although there uh, is a time to be born. Uh, and uh, we were talking back in the uh, prayer room about all the aborted babies and uh, I forgot, how many did you say, brother? 64 million aborted babies. And uh, I doubt if it was uh, all them 64 million babies' time to die. Uh, I think it was their time to live. Uh, 
and uh, uh, not die. But uh, uh, what happens is, is that man tries to do things his way and he messes up the time. God knows what's best. Uh, and I know it's hard to take sometimes, but it's true. Galatians 4.4, 4, the Bible said of God's own Son, in the fullness of time that God brought forth His Son, brought Him just at the right time. Uh, Luke 2 and 7 said she brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger. Why didn't He come earlier? Why didn't He come later? Uh, because that was God's timetable. It was the fullness of time. The Bible said of Esther, uh, said that she was brought forth, or said, who knows if you were brought forth for such a time as this. So uh, God's got us here in His time and for His purpose. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, we do know, of course, some folks die before their time. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 17 that's a question I'm often asked, uh, and the answer's in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, uh, I may have the wrong verse there, it's verse 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number 16. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself over wise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wickedness, neither be thou foolishness. Why should thou die? Before their time. So uh, you can rush it up. And uh, you can slow it down. Uh, by how you react to the truths of God's word. Uh, there's a time for all things. Uh, the Bible said there's a time to plant. And a time to pluck up that which is planted. Uh, so we all know there is a planting season. And uh, you couldn't go out there and plant a garden uh, tomorrow and do much good with it. Why? It's not, it's not planting season. Uh, that's why. The Bible said, uh, getting into new scripture that we hadn't covered yet, in verse 3, the Bible said there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, so there's a time to kill. Uh, when would be a time to kill? Uh, well, uh, Genesis 9, verse 6, Genesis 9 and verse 6 would be a time to kill. And the Bible said in verse 6, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So cold-blooded killer, uh, premeditated, uh, planning it out, uh, takes an innocent life. The Bible said then it's a time to kill. Uh, the Bible said there's a there's a time to do that. Paul believed in that. Uh, look in Acts uh, 25 and verse number 11. They were going to kill the Apostle Paul when he was there uh, on his trial. In Acts 25 and uh, verse number 11, this is what Paul said. He said... Uh, for if I be an offender, or if I have committed anything worthy of death, so there is some things worthy of death. He said, I refuse not to die, but if there be none of these things whereof you accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. Uh, so 
Paul believed that there were certain things that you could do uh, that would make you worthy of death. Of course, the uh, Bible said there's a time to die. Our country don't believe that. Uh, most states don't believe in the, in the death penalty. So now our prisons are full. Uh, and they're turning them out. And you got cold-blooded killers uh, running out on the street uh, that have took uh, innocent people's life. Uh, so there is a time. You say, what else would be a time to die? Well, if a horse breaks its leg, Seth, would that be a time to die? Okay, if he breaks his leg and he can't fix it, uh, that'd be a time to die. Uh, dog or gets rabies. Uh, remember, me and Sheila was smaller. That uh, one of our dogs got rabies, and uh, they had to had to kill it. And I remember Daddy went down the road and got, Daddy didn't have a gun evidently, and he went down the road and got our neighbor, and the dog was in a little chicken house about big as this platform, and our neighbor come in there with a pistol, and he went in the chicken house, and, and I heard boom, 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 boom. And the dog run out, he never did hit it. <coughs> but that should have been a time to kill. But he messed it. Uh, it said uh, there's, a, there's a time to be born, a time to die, uh, a time to kill, a time to heal. And we think about a time to kill. Uh, all right, uh, you're taking chemo, trying to kill out all them cancer cells. That's a time to kill. Time to heal. Uh, that's when you get all your treatments done. Hopefully you got enough good cells left that you can start building back and uh, that'd be a time uh, time to heal. Uh, so uh, there, there is a time like that. He said uh, a time to break down. A uh, time to break down. Well, sometimes the human heart gets so overloaded uh, that the mind can't take it anymore. And uh, we say they had a nervous breakdown. They couldn't take it. What happened? Well, it's like the circuit box there in the closet. We keep plugging things up, and sooner or later, it'll get overloaded, and it'll break down shut down. The human body's that way. Uh, we can only take so much. People say, I can take anything. No, you can only take so much. Uh, don't matter who we are. And uh, we get so much, we can't take no more uh, than the body's way of kicking a breaker is a nervous breakdown or something like that. It's a built-in built system. Uh, so when the circuits get overloaded, uh, it's time uh, to kick a breaker. And then what do you do? Well, you go in there and you reset the breaker. And you take some of the stuff off. you got too much plugged in. Take some of it off. So what do you do when you have a nervous breakdown? You go into the hospital. You get a reset. Uh, you start resting your body some. You start building back up. How can you build back up? Well, Jude said you could build yourself up in praying. That's a good way to build back up. A uh, good way to build back up is praying, reading the Bible, uh, getting along with God, uh, cutting things out of your life that you can, uh, and things of that nature. Uh, so he said there's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. He said there's a time to weep. 
Okay, when will be a time to weep? Well, Jesus said that a funeral is a time to weep. John eleven thirty five. Jesus went to Lazarus' funeral, and he prayed. Of course, he's going to bring him back to life, and he's praying for Lazarus. But the Bible said he wept. Uh, John eleven thirty five, shortest verse in the Bible, said Jesus wept. Uh, somebody said and it might be true. Said why did Jesus weep? Well, he loved him. He cared for him. He'd stayed in their home a lot of times, but. Uh, Somebody else said, it's not a bad thought, said the reason Jesus wept was because he knew he was about to bring him back to life. And he knew he was going to have to go through all this again. And the possibility that might be right. But a a funeral would be a place of weeping. Uh, Witnessing is a good place to weep. Uh, Holy Ghost tears. I said last week that I pray constantly that the Lord would give me Holy Ghost tears, but I never pray for human tears. You shouldn't either. You say, why? They'll come. Uh, If you stay around here, they'll come on their own. You won't have to pray for them. Uh, Somebody will die. You'll get sick. There'll be a tragedy. Uh, You know, some bad thing will happen. So don't ever worry about not being able to cry human tears. Uh, But do worry about uh, not having Holy Ghost tears. You say, what are Holy Ghost tears? Well, they're different from human tears. Uh, Nothing has to happen. Uh, You can just be singing a song and all at once they just start rolling down your face or preaching a sermon or, you know, whatever. They just come suddenly, instantly like that. And uh, we do need them because Psalm 126 verse 5 and 6 said, They that go forth weeping and bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again bringing our sheaves with them. So I kind of like to look at it as our tears are the water for the seeds that we plant. And uh, years ago, I was preaching on a Christian radio station here in Glasgow that used to have one. And I was preaching on there, and a lady called me. I was preaching on love, and I was preaching out of First uh, John. And the lady called me after the uh, it was a live broadcast, had an hour on Sunday evening. The lady called me and and she said, I enjoyed that. And she said, Preacher, just remember this, that nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. And uh, I never did forget that. Uh, People don't care if you know Hebrew, Greek, all the doctrines, all the Bible. Uh, They don't really care till they know you care about them. And uh, I remember years ago, uh, listening to a, a course I was taking, and uh it told on that course along these lines of a preacher, and he did know Hebrew and Greek. He'd been to Bible college and and uh, had uh, degrees. And they went out to see a man that was lost. Just a, They went out to see him. Preachers trying to talk to him. He couldn't get nowhere with him. But he took a, just a guy from the church with him, and that guy was just a farmer, had bibbed overalls and, and uh, just talking country language. And he began to talk to the guy and began to weep as he's talking to him about wanting him to get saved. And uh, the guy got saved. You say, why? Well, he's seen this guy really cared for him. The other guy, even though he probably wasn't, to him it seemed like all he was wanting to do was impress him with how much he knowed. Uh, but the other guy, uh, he wasn't that way. Uh, so there's, there's a time to weep. 
Uh, let me look at Romans 12 and 5. I've got it wrote down here, but I can't remember why. Romans uh, 12 and verse... Uh, no, let's see. That must be a wrong reference there. Oh, wait a minute. Romans 12 and 15. Romans 12 and verse 15. What does it say? Okay, yeah, there's a time to weep. Uh, go to the funeral home and you go up to your church members, and people you love, and they're weeping and you weep with them. Uh, somebody having a hard time, uh, you weep with them. Uh, we've been up to the hospital. Uh, with Brother and Sister Richie several times in the last couple of weeks, and they get to weeping, we get to weeping. And that's what the Bible said, weep with them at weep. Uh, all right, he said then there's a, if there's a time to weep, he said there's a time to laugh. Uh, it's a time to laugh. Have you ever laughed at the wrong time? And uh, uh, we have uh, we have several folks that, they get tickled at church. My daughter-in-law's like that. She's back there tonight. Sometimes she'll get tickled. Mike said, "Tell me, she got tickled the other day about something." Uh, but you know, you, you know, you get tickled in church, and and you know that's not really a good place to get tickled. But that makes it even more funny. And uh, once you get started, you can't get stopped. And uh, uh, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to laugh at the wrong time, like at a funeral home. Or if your wife were to say to you, do you think I've lost weight? Not a good time to laugh. Uh, okay? Uh, just, just shake your little head and say yes. Uh, lots of it. Uh, but there is a, you know, a good time and a bad time. A, a man uh, was at a funeral uh, and the preacher conducting the funeral asked everyone to stand on their feet. And a disgruntled old man standing beside another man, he said, uh, he said, what else would we stand on? And, uh, and when he said that, the other guy got tickled and he couldn't stop laughing. And uh, so uh, my wife, she's bad about that. She'll get tickled and she can't quit laughing. Uh, but there is a, is a time to laugh and, and there's a time to kind of try to refrain from it if you can. Okay, he said a time to mourn. Uh, when's the time to mourn? Well, uh, of course, when somebody dies. In Numbers 20 and verse 29, Aaron died. And it said the house of Israel mourned for 30 days. I think those Jews had a set time that they mourned for people. I don't think that's what's going on here. Uh, I think the people just mourned for 30 days. Uh, the Bible said when uh, Jacob died in Genesis 50 and verse number 10, the Bible said they mourned seven days when Jacob died. Fifty days or thirty days when uh, Aaron died. And so what we, uh, and the Bible said in 1 Samuel 16 and 1, after Saul, after Saul died, uh, the Bible said that Samuel he had mourned so long that finally God told him, said, fill your horn with oil and go. You've mourned long enough. 
So let's put all those verses together. And I think what Ecclesiastes is trying to tell us is that people mourn for different lengths of time depending on the situation. Uh, uh, Aaron, uh, of course, uh, the people all knew him. He'd been with them from the beginning. And uh, they mourned 30 days for him. Uh, Jacob, uh, they mourn seven days for Jacob. Uh, and uh, so this tells us that there's really no set time as to how long a person might mourn. Uh, it probably has to do with how much love that a person has for that individual as to how long that they mourn. But we have to gather this out of that. You can mourn too long. That's what the Lord told Samuel. Uh, he told Samuel, he said, uh, you've mourned long enough, fill your horn with oil and go. There's a time to mourn, but there's a time that you need to pull it together and you need to go on with your life. Because uh, if, if you just kept on mourning, uh, you wouldn't really have no life. Uh, I don't know how many seen the little video Dr. Grady did the other day when his son was killed. He put it on Facebook and it's just a little, uh, I don't know, five or six minute video he did the next day after the funeral. And he was talking about mourning and one of the things he said was that uh, you can go overboard mourning. Talking about his son just got killed. He said you can go overboard. And he said that uh, he was leaving the funeral. His wife was going back to Tennessee and he was going to Dallas to preach in some meetings and had meetings lined up. And he said, uh, that's the best thing to do. Well, I don't mean to correct Dr. Grady, but let me say this, that's the best thing for him to do. Uh, that might work for him uh, and probably is the best thing for him to do. Uh, but it might not work that way with his wife. I don't know. I've never met his wife. Uh, but what I'm saying is there's a time to mourn, and the Bible says that to me, the Bible said that is something that you, the individual, would have to decide. But you do have to realize there comes a time when you have to quit mourning, and you got to go on with your life. I didn't say it'd be easy. Uh, but you got to do it. Uh, so the Bible said a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. You know, dancing with the stars. It's time to dance. The first time dance is mentioned in the Bible is Exodus chapter 15. Law first mentioned. Exodus there never was no time for me to dance because I never could dance. And uh, I never did learn and, and I really never did have a real big interest in it. But uh, the Bible said in Exodus 15 that uh, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, 
and has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name, and Pharaoh's chariots, and his host, and so forth and so on. So you get down there to verse 20, and the Bible said, And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with uh, timbles and with dance. So the first dance in the Bible, it's all women. Not any men dancing, it's all women dancing. And it is a dance of deliverance. They're dancing because God has delivered them uh, from a great enemy. And uh, the women are dancing. The next time you see dancing in the Bible, 2 Samuel 6 and verse number 14. Talking about a time to dance. 2 Samuel 6 and verse number 14. And the Bible said... And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatling, and David danced before the Lord. So now it's not all women, now it's one man dancing by himself. And he's dancing because they have brought the ark back. He's dancing because the presence of God is back in his life. Uh, the... Uh, next time that dancing is mentioned is in the book of Exodus. Exodus 32. And uh, Exodus 32 and beginning in verse, uh, uh, old verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. Ten Commandments. The tables were written on both their side and on the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables where they were written of God, and the writing was of the writing of God, graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, This is the noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the table out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. And uh, so, first one, it's all women. Second one, it's David. This one here, it's men and women. It's the first time in the Bible that men and women danced at the wrong time. And it's the first time they danced at the wrong time and the preacher wasn't around. People don't like the preacher around when they dance. People ask me, do they want, you know, to marry them? And I do. But they always, they always say, now, now, preacher, we know you're busy and you've got places to go and you don't have to stay for this reception. You just go ahead and leave. Well, I know what's up. They're fixing to dance and pop the cork on the wine and you know all that stuff and they don't want to preach around well works out good I don't want to be around anyway uh, amen uh, but the first time that men and women got together dancing at the wrong time all ten commandments were broken my 
Moses got mad and he threw them all down. And he broke them. The wrong kind of dancing, Matthew 14, 6, got a good man killed. You say, what's Matthew 14, 6? That's when Herod uh, had Herodias' daughter to dance and John the Baptist got his head cut off. Well, there's been many a good man killed because of the wrong kind of dancing. Wouldn't you agree? The Bible said there's a time to dance. You say, uh, what about a husband dancing with his wife? Well, that'd be the only kind he, he could because the Bible said, First uh, Corinthians 7 and 1, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Why did the Bible say that? Because when you're dancing and holding somebody else's wife close and rubbing up against each other and one thing leads to another, it's not good uh, that a man touch a woman. Now, if you're touching your own wife, wouldn't be nothing wrong with that. Uh, but uh, some of those uh, dances, they lead to fornication. I hated that dancing with the stars. I literally hated it. I know a lot of ladies, they liked it. A lot of older ladies liked that. My mother-in-law loved it. Uh, but I hated it. You say, why? Well, if you've ever seen it, I don't need to explain, do I? All right. So there's a time to dance. Time to dance. I've seen people get happy in a church service and do a little dance. And I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. I've seen it. Probably done some of it. But that's because the Lord showed up. Amen. So there's a time uh, to dance, uh, the Bible said. And then it said, uh, let's see where am I at? A time to dance, a time, uh, a time to cast away Stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. This would have to do with tearing down somebody's wall or property line. Remember in Proverbs about don't move the old landmarks? And that'd be like if Brother Steve had a wall down on the borderline of his, uh, boundary line of his farm, and the neighbor come over and started moving them, that wouldn't be good. That, uh, that would be a wrong time to do that. Now, if he bought his neighbor's field, uh, that'd be a time he could turn them down, moving on over to the next line, uh, probably what it is. Uh, so uh, he said uh, there's a time uh, to cast away stones. Okay, when's a good time to cast away stones? Well, John 8 was a good time. Remember, they all brought that adulterous woman to the Lord. They all had stones. And Jesus, uh, He convinced them all, said, uh, uh, where's the man at? Basically, because in Leviticus it said, if a man and woman's taken in adultery, then both of them are to be brought together and to be stoned. They only had the woman. Uh, the theory is, it was probably one of them, and it was a set-up deal. But when Jesus uh, said, He that's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone, I think they began to drop their stones and it went out one by one. Uh, so, uh, there's a time to gather stones for a good reason. 
make a wall, uh, make a monument, uh, but not to throw. Okay, we don't need to gather stones on each other to throw stones at each other. We could do that. And a real wise person said this, He who gathers stones must stoop often. You say, what's that mean? Well, if you do a lot of stone throwing, you're going to probably have to do a lot of this. Lord, forgive me, I, didn't, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't realize what all was involved in that. Uh, so, uh, so that would be the case. Okay, so there's a time to embrace. When's a good time to embrace? Well, at the funeral home, you know, go up to casket. And you always hug people. Uh, give them a little embrace. Someone you hadn't seen for a long time. Uh, some prodigal comes back to church. That was a good time to embrace. When the prodigal son came home, his father came and he embraced him. But then it said there's a time to refrain from embracing. Okay, that would be uh, if you find yourself in a room alone with the opposite sex, that would be a time to refrain uh, from embracing unless it you know, was your family. Uh, when uh, someone's done something wrong, you know, a lot of times people do something wrong and people go up and give them a hug. That's not a time to embrace because that's putting your approval on it. Even though you may mean it sympathetically, and even though your intentions may be good, the appearance is, I approve of it. Uh, So, you don't hug people that do wrong until they do right. What I mean is, if they do wrong and then they make it right with the Lord, then it's a time to hug them up, time to embrace them. Uh, uh, You don't want to show your approval. Uh, if uh, you and your husband's out eating supper this Saturday night and your old high school boyfriend walks in, that's a time to refrain from embracing. Uh, amen? Uh, or vice versa. Uh, if uh, his old girlfriend walks in, that's a time to refrain from embracing. Really, it's better not only not to hug them, don't even look their way, don't even grin at them, don't even nod your head. You say, why? Because uh, it might be a long ride home. Yeah, yeah, that could turn into a time to kill. Very good, Brother Steve. Okay, the Bible said there's a time to get. Time to get. Okay, uh, that'd be about fall of the year. Crops start coming in. Mater's getting ripe. Beans getting ripe. Uh, start getting them vegetables. That's the time to get. Get them, get them while the getting's good. Uh, it's time to get. Uh, Christmas be a good time to get gifts. It'd be a good time to get them. You might get a gift in December that they wouldn't even think about giving you in January. I don't know what it is about December. It, makes most of us more giving. And we'll give people stuff on December the 23rd that we wouldn't give the time of day on January the 1st. Uh, Just something about that time. Uh, There's a time to get. Uh, uh, When uh, things are on sale, right ladies? That's the time to get. And uh, you know, you tell your husband, look, this is on sale. 
It's only $180. It has been $500. Uh, well, the reason it's on sale is because nobody bought it when it was $500. And uh, it needs to be about 39 instead of $139. Uh, but when things are on sale, that's a time uh, to get it. Uh, amen. I never, th- I, ne- I know y'all have heard this, most of you, some of you ain't, but do you spend old preacher come by here every fall, uh, him and another preacher would be on the way to Brother Duncan's uh, meeting in the spring, spring, not fall, and they'd always stop by here, uh, A.C. Dixon and uh, Bill Schaffner, uh, and they'd always stop by here, and one year I'd let one preach, one year I'd let the other preach, and uh, up in the year... Uh, you know, 80s or so, both dead now. But uh, Brother Schaffner told this, I never forgot it. He said uh, he, he lived in Tennessee, and he said, I was sitting on my porch one day, and I noticed the, the dust boiling up the gravel road, and I seen this pickup coming my way. And he said it pulled up there, and parked, and man got out. And it was a man that he said I had been in the Army with for a long time. And we were best buddies all the way through the Army. And he said he'd come up and we hugged and sat down, made some coffee, and we talked for a while. And he said, uh, finally the man said, well, Bill, he said, I've got to go. And he said, uh, uh, but, he said, we was always friends, always thought a lot of you. And he said, I'm fixing to open up a little store. And he said, I thought I'd see if you wanted to put the first thousand dollars in on it. And Brother Schaffner said, uh, well, Sam, I tell you what, I believe I'll just keep my thousand. Sam Walmart. That was a time to get. If he had put a thousand dollars in there, he would have been a multimillionaire at this time. But he missed it. So there is a time to get, and there's a time to not get. Uh, so time to get when you're young. You got to get it while you're young. That's why. It's set up where you buy your house when you're young. You work and pay on it for 30 years, uh, feed the kids, uh, try to get everything paid off. And the time to get is when you're young. When you get old, forget about it. Why? You can't work. They retire you. Even if you wanted to work, they retire you. Uh, That's not a time uh, to be getting a lot of things. Uh, When you get older... Because uh, uh, it's a time to lose. You say, what do you mean? Well, you're going to start losing. Right off the bat, you're losing income that you've been used to making out in the factory or driving the truck or whatever it might be. You're not able to do that no more, so you lose income. Then you start losing health. Health. Brother David was telling me, David Lowe was telling me that he talked to Brother Eddie Saturday and he asked him how he was, and he said, well, he said, I'm down in my back. And uh, he said, it's just getting old. And I said, yeah. I said, when you get old, you can go to bed feeling great and not be able to get out of the bed in the morning and wonder what happened. Uh, so you start losing your health. Uh, so there's a time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep. Well, uh, that's when the kids are growing up. It's time to keep that family together. Uh, round the table, uh, out at the ball games, on vacation, out at park, wherever. 
It's a time to keep, time to keep that family together. But the Bible said there's a time to cast away. You got to let them go. And if you try, if you try to to keep, when it's a time to cast away, it won't work. It's going to mess everybody up. That's why the Bible said that a man shall uh, leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they'll be one flesh. Well, just like that happens, uh, there comes a time when the kids have got to be let go too. It's hard to do. Uh, And again, age may vary uh, depending on circumstances, but the Bible said there's a time to keep, keep everybody together. It's time to... Let them go. Cast away, if you would. Okay, verse 7, a time to rend and a time to tear apart. Uh, A time to rend, that means sew together, put together. Okay, that's, that's this time. Do you take her to be your lawful wedded wife? Do you take him to be your lawful wedded husband? That's a time to put things together. But, there's a time to tear apart. What's that marriage vow say? Till death do us part. Okay, there's a time to come together and there's a time to part. Now, <clears throat> good thing about saved people is that they can get back together in heaven. But you see, and I don't mean... Uh, like the Mormons teach, that you're going to be husband and wife in heaven. Somebody said, thank God. <laughs> but uh, we, w- I, we will know each other in heaven. You say, how's it going to be? Well, I don't know because the Lord said I don't know. He said, does not yet appear how we'll be, but when He appears, we'll be like Him. Uh, so I don't know, but I do know we'll know each other. You say, why? Uh, because Paul said, uh, then I'll be known even as I'm known. He's known as Paul. Say, hey, Brother Paul. Uh, so he'd be known as that in heaven. Uh, there's a time to keep silent, the Bible said. Uh, you can study this in the life of Jesus. Remember when he went before Herod in, uh, in uh, Luke 23, verse 8 and 9? And Herod asked him something and it said Jesus answered him not a word. Jesus got him on trial. He's got Jesus on trial but said he answered him not a word. You say, why didn't he answer him? Because he killed his preacher buddies and cut his head off. Would you talk to somebody cut your best friend's head off? Uh, it wasn't a time to speak. Uh, but uh, there is a time to speak. Uh, uh, there's a time when you ought to say something. Bible said in Proverbs 24 and 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. So, uh, I'm sure you've had the experience of saying the right word at the right time. And you knew it. But I'm sure you've also had the experience of saying the maybe the right word but the wrong time. Not good. Uh, so you have to learn when to keep silent and when to speak up. There is times when silence 
is golden. You remember that saying, silence is golden. And uh, sometimes you show a lot of wisdom by not saying anything. But there is a time to speak. Sometimes silence is not golden. Sometimes silence is just weak and cowardly. Because uh, we don't want to say, uh, we don't want to stand up for the Lord. And uh, so that's kind of like, you know, Peter did. All right, I guess we'll stop there. Uh, that's a good place to stop in verse uh, 7. And we'll pick up next week in a time to love and a time to hate, time of war and a time of peace. Pick up there. All right, any word on anyone's heart tonight or questions or comments or commentary or anything tonight?